I don't know if we need to introduce ourselves every time, to be honest. We have to. I want to know an animal. Why do I you always know. assume that people know you? <laughs> There's only two of us. Well, but people don't know that yet, right? What we can we start by mentioning each other's names. Hey, Tolani. Uh, hey, Mo. Well, I'm Mo, though, on the show. Oh, sorry. I always, I always forget I call you Tolani. It's okay. I actually like that you call me Tolani. Yeah. I always say people that call me there are two kind of friends I have. If you call me more, I can always predate our friendship. But Tolani, when I hear that, it almost like takes me back home. Yeah. I actually yeah. used to call you Motolani, but I don't know why I said calling you Tolani. Okay, I know you I call, used to call me Moti at the point, remember? I used to call you Moti. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if we can date our friendship by the names I've called you. I know. Like <laughs> the season. I could say M- <laughs> MFN, uh, MFD and MD. M- yeah, that was the, 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 there was that whole phase. I, yeah, whole phase, and there was the truth hunter phase, and mm-hmm. there was the IO phase, which you know I had to die quickly. Well, did it come across? Die hot, a hot blazing <laughs> death. <laughs> I get so offended, but you, I don't know why you're still like an IO to me. I don't know why don't you something, like? I'll that tell one? you something funny. So, like what? people here know that I'm Iomide, right? Yeah, and then I had, um, if well, this person wasn't my friend, friend, but like it's. It's if it is it's 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 someone who knows a good friend of mine, and yeah. then the person was talking to me. Well, we're, yeah. we're all talking together, and the person was like, "Something, something, something." And I'm going to come and find Ayo, and something, something, and he's going to get very upset with me because I just called him Ayo. <laughs> <laughs> and it was funny because when he first said Ayo the first time, I thought he knows better than to do that. Anyway, I'm going to think this myself. I'll let it pass because yeah. I don't want to. Always historic. And also because I was pretty sure my friend would call him out on it and be yeah, like, yeah. you shouldn't call him I.O. He doesn't like, you've, you know. You've primed us all like Pavlov dogs. But then the the the, the sort of recovery, well, not recovery, because I think it was set up from Redemption. the start. I realized, yeah, oh, that was a good one. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was a good one. Anyway, um, we're going to talk about Mental Health Month. Yeah. Hi there. Welcome to the More Civil Podcast. This is a podcast for Blacks, Asians, and those who love them. I am Mo, and I am your host, ready to spark your curiosity as I take you on this adventurous ride of exploring cultures through the stories of my guests from all over the world. On this show, we get really personal, discussing salient issues that are relevant to our contemporary age and also building community around them. As our guests exercise courage and vulnerability in sharing their life's experiences, we hope that in turn you are inspired by them and that you get the courage in it to set your own stories free. Enjoy the ride and thank you so much for listening. Welcome to the show, everyone. This is um, Motolani and. Ayomide. Oh, yeah, Motolani now. Because it's more Antolini, um, May is mont- mental health. May is mental health awareness month. Mo- May for Mo. May for Mo. M for mental health. M for Mo. And without even trying, because we sat down with our um, assistant and we said, "Oh, you know what? We've kind of eased it into um, talking about mental health in the month of May." So our first two episodes have really explored communities and staying connected. Um, last one was on um, looking at. Ormi story. So we're just wanting to be more intentional about mental health and talk about it. And as you guys know, it's such a vast topic, so we'll just try to contain it, but also leaving you guys um, encouraged and, I guess, um, 
have some resources to help yeah. in whatever and, phase and the of theme life for this month in. is let's connect which um i think for me for both of us actually speaks to something that we think about a lot and um that we mm. hold very important which is the importance of community and you know power relationships and as you said you know, that's something we've talked about a a in the last few episodes we've talked about i think we we pretty much started you know our hosting together with that didn't we because we talked about friendships um and then yes. when we talked about birthdays yes. we talked about relationships and 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 community um and obviously it's come yes. up again in each of the interviews we've done as well um so clearly this is something that's yeah pretty top of mind i would say Exactly. And without us even trying to force it, because a lot of our conversations are just unscripted. And I bet it's someone to do like a content analysis of our podcast episodes. That'd be one of the top teams, like connections, yeah. community, connecting, yeah. the C words. Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, and, and it's, it's, it is such a big thing. One, one of the, one of the things that, I mean, I suppose we could talk about migration later, um, but, one of the things that I have found in moving here, which I think everyone does when you move, is all the things you take for granted in your culture, you know, whatever culture it is you're coming from, that only sort of become obvious when you come up against a culture where those things are not only not taken for granted, but in some cases <laughs> are not even, they're not even on the radar mm. at all. Um, and vice versa, where things that people in the culture you're coming into take for granted are things that aren't even on your radar, or where they, you know, or where they are, they're not yeah. quite as important. Um, and and that clash of cultures always, yeah. sometimes it causes friction. But I find it fa- I, for me, I find fascination in it because it's it's just a source of endless surprise and delight and learning. Um, and yes, friction as well. But you learn from that as well, don't yeah. you? So one of the things yeah. for me was something that I came to realize recently, you know, and it's the idea, you know, there's there's sort of this idea which we all grew up with because it's very big in Disney. Um, and that means everybody in the world has sort of absorbed the idea on some level of, of going off to find <laughs> yourself into the distance and, you know, away. Um uh-huh. And it's an interesting thought, the idea of finding yourself by leaving everything behind. Um, but something that struck me recently is actually we need other people to find ourselves. And actually, um, and, and so like the most succinct way I can put it is sort of the idea that you need other people to know yourself, <laughs> right? Like like who you are, who you yeah. Sorry, go on. I think we talked about that during the superpowers and community. Sorry, I think so. I was going to say that we yeah, really yeah. emphasize that during the superpowers and community um, episode, where there's no way you can find yourself without being in the place of other people. It's actually easier, and you can you can kind of like calibrate as you go. Yeah. You need people to bounce that off and you know call it out in you things that you you know you think is just seamless, but others might not be able to attain that you know level of I guess um, activity that you have or features yeah. or traits. And, and yeah. the same thing with mental health. Mental health is yeah. It's not individual solely. It's very much social. It's relational, mm. right? Um, one of the one of the essays I, I wrote once um, 
you know, last year was the the idea of the ancient um, sort of Hebrew idea of of shalom. No, no, no. The idea of shalom oh, and how I, I shalom it, it know, which okay. we translate as peace. But peace is something that when we think about and and shalom kind of meant well being and you know um, being being sort of. Well, I don't want to spoil it, so let's just let's. I'll just leave it as well-being, and I'll come back to that in a minute. But then, when we think of peace today, we think of peace as an emotional thing, don't we? We think of peace as, you know, feeling at peace in myself, that sort of thing. Um, I don't think almost. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's almost mm-hmm. anyone, you know, whether, you know, um, and this is not even about like Christian per se. It's just any one period in 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 modern times who would think of the word peace and not think of it as sort of emotional state of being, right? be at peace that sort of thing or find your inner peace and all all, all these phrases that we have yeah um <laughs> be his peace <laughs> you know but then you, so you go back to, to the idea of shalom and you realize that peace for them was actually about relationships it's actually being in right relationship with everything right with Others. with god with uh. people with the earth with the animals and yes, with yourself as well, but but it was all connected. Like mm-hmm. if one of those relationships is out of whack, then it throws everything else out of whack because they're all they're all interconnected. Mm. Right. Um and, and that for me was interesting because in a sense it also includes the emotional idea of peace, in the sense of if you're peace within yeah. with all those things, then the emotional feeling sort of follows. It's it's almost inevitable. Um, but when when that is, but when you yeah. focus on the emotional bits, what the danger of that is, it then becomes this sort of introspective, navel gazing thing. If you're not careful, um, and then you're focused on that while you're ignoring all the relationships that actually are important for the peace that we're looking for. And and so the way I sort of think of it now is like peace is not emotional. Peace is relational, right? Um, and I think I feel like that's what this mm. idea of mental health month and let's connect is sort of speaking to. It's it's sort of rec- you know sort of coming full circle and recognize that actually mental health in myself is the out outshoots or you know the the sort of it springs out of all the connection that I have been you know. Um, Working properly and functioning right, and and just you know being, being yeah, yeah. I don't know I I yeah I don't know I don't know if that's something you've thought about as well, but I, I think you have. Yeah, I have, but I've not quite put it in the. Just, I mean, you have a fine way of just articulating these things, and and it makes sense that it's a harmony of all kinds of things. But I think for so long, we always make it to be personal. But like you said, it's it's relational. And I think it goes back again to that episode on how you can only discover yourself when you're with other people. And not just other people, but other people who are, you know, quite like you and or they care about you and they're able to prune those things out of you. Um, something happened to me this week then, because I feel like so far we've really laid the background for mental health i don't want it to be too abstract and lose half of our listeners you've kind of helped us lead the foundation for you know just thinking about mental health and as more of a relational thing right and a personal thing 
and I was going to make it a bit more personal by <laughs> by um, sharing something that happened to me this week around, um, I think it's still mental health and connection. And because I don't want to lose half of our listeners by just, you know, talking about things that, because I feel yeah. like stories kind of connect, you know, episodes better. When I mean episodes, I mean like, you know, when you hear stories about things that you're going through, you're, you're, meant, you're, you're more likely to remember them. So I struggle with, and this is going to be quite a vulnerable moment. And let me try and put it into words before, so I don't get too caught up in my feelings. Um, and then one of the hardest part of, one of the hardest things to kind of grasp or mm. what's the word? One of the hardest part of just my personality is closure. I find it hard with closure and closure and not having closure on some things. So there've been two times in my life where, and I think I've told you about one of this, but the second one I haven't really delved into, um, but similar occurrences mm. where you do life with certain person or groups of people not groups of people because it sounds like many people but let's say individuals you do life with certain individuals and you click you connect you know it's not just hi hello it's like your communities are so intertwined and then they just ghost you and and i know that's kind of rich coming from me because apparently i have ghosted people without knowing it lamy is an episode that comes to mind um but this really felt this recent one felt very you know very personal because I remember when the drifting apart started, I called this person because I wanted to be sure that they knew how I felt. I'm like, hey, what's going on? Um, we haven't talked in a while. It's on like you. And and they were like, oh, you know what? I'm so sorry. Well, it's not you. It's it's me. And if I cast my, my, my mind back into our relationship, it's always been, I felt like I was, I, I'm, I'm more dominant in the sense that I'm always mostly the one doing the check-ins and my personality allows for that. But sometimes it felt like I was always the one dragging the other person along because they were more um, introverted and I, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm not as introverted as they were. But um, so we, we, and I told them that I'm not going to call you again. I'm not going to reach out again until I hear from you. Whatever you're going through, I understand if you don't want to include me, but it's just been weird not hearing from you. And I think we ended that conversation, you know, just saying, I'm sorry, you know, I miss you as well. And we kind of laughed, but a part of me just knew that I was never going to be the same again. So fast forward two years, I've not heard from this person. And it's so weird because I always remember their birthday. And I'm tempted to reach out on their birthday, but I don't because I didn't want to break my rule of I'm not going to contact you. So I had put up a post recently about my daughter, I, I I came out publicly talking about our adoption and how my husband and I have had a daughter now for the past two years. And she sent me a text saying, oh, I'm so happy for you guys. I've always known it was going to happen. Yada, yada, yada. And it made me angry, a little bit angry, because I'm like, why are you, you know, I was like, <laughs> so you remember me? And they do this thing called orbiting, which is, when you look at your WhatsApp status, they always view them. So they, you know, sometimes she'll, she'll, oh, I don't want to, I just outed their gender. They would um, like, like old pictures from the past, like maybe like a comment from Facebook, but you're not actually talking to me. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And for whatever reason, I know it doesn't, I don't think it's really about me. Maybe they're going through something or whatever, but it still hurts that, and I decided to just let it go this this particular week. Like, you know what? 
So I was like, thank you so much. I really appreciate your message. And, and that was it. The old me, I probably would have let her know about my daughter from the f- very first day. I would have shared a lot because she was like a sister to me. And it's no more. It, it kind of died. And sometimes that's very hard for me because not many people are in my circle. Circle, I do have friends, but not everyone can I can say in my circle. She was somebody that I really deeply cared about. And I could never have guessed that in a million years, our relationship is going to delve into this. So I don't know if you've had experiences with that. And I guess my question for you would be, how would you suggest processing that? Hmm. I mean, I don't know. It's It sounds... I think it's challenging for a big reason. Um, and I think part of the reason is I'm probably more likely to be that person here. So I, I don't feel like, you know, like it, that would be rich. <laughs> Me. Why would I, why do you think I'm asking? Because I know you're the ghost. But you're not letting, I'm not, you're never I mean, going to get Loki, rid of me. Loki, part of me when you were saying this, I was like, I'm, this, this isn't me, right? This isn't, no, it's not, no, no, I know it's not worry. me. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I mean, you can never get rid of I don't, me. I know like, it's not me, forever but, you friend. Know, I did have forever to wonder friends. for a bit there. <laughs> no, you know, it's, like, not you. it's not is you. This, is this like five level degrees shade? <laughs> you can never, you can never, never let go. Um, like, yeah, I will refuse. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's hard because has been that person you know um i would probably say that sometimes it's not really about you and and that's tricky because i think with some people it is um some people people sometimes withdraw from you for all kinds of reasons and sometimes it can be as simple as they're struggling with you in ways that they struggle to articulate um I've had friends talk about other friends sort of dealing with jealousy, for instance, um, or or dealing with other sorts of things, or even just the sort of idea of like one, you know, you you feel like your friend is is doing well, and I suppose that's through jealousy in ways that not necessarily you want to do well in those ways, but it feels like they're getting what they want, and you're not getting what you want, that sort of thing. Um, and I think I think some. I think sometimes I've seen people gravitate really quickly to those as, oh, that's why this person is not doing this. And I don't think it's always that simple. Um, sometimes they just, they're just in a place in their life where stuff comes up, which is not to justify or excuse it. But the point is, it's not, it's just to say that it's not like there's something you're doing. It's just them being caught up in whatever it is um, that's going on with them. Um, I, and I don't. I'm obviously all of this is speculation because I don't know. I mean, it's conjecture. I guess. I guess. I just exactly because I'm like, why, why, why can't the opposite be true? Exactly. Why can't the opposite be true? Like, because I tend to take the burden on myself. Like, oh yeah, maybe you're too much. And I start thinking about maybe times I've said things yeah. that wasn't quite, you know, um, good. But we kind of talk through it, and you know. I mean, it's gone both ways where you use words in friendship, you know, and I'm like, was there some residual um, things there that were not addressed, you know? And I'm not someone that won't apologize if I know I've hurt somebody, right? But I want to say that I never, like, that sometimes I just want to reach out to this person. 
Yeah. No, but, 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 but having, having said that, having said that, I would probably also still say that and this is something that I do and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to lie, what I'm about to say, I don't even know that it's the best way to do things. It's just it kind of works with how I work. Um, and it goes back to an adage that I'm sure you heard me say before, which I first heard from an uncle of mine when I was a kid. Just you, know what, wait, you, know what, you know what I'm about to say? Wait, which of your... What do you think I'm about to say? Which one? Wait, no. No, it's not the one. It's not the one. It's not the one. But give me a nah, prefix of know. it. <laughs> Oh, 20 friends kind of been together for 20 years. Is that one? Oh, but I couldn't come up with that. <laughs> yes. Actually, it's... Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I said I first heard it from my uncle. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, and it's 20, 20 children. children 20 friends. Actually. 20 children. Um, yeah. No, it's 20 children. The idea being that as they grow older and time passes, like, with the, like that basically time changes relationships, right? Irrespective of your own intentions, time change relationship because of all the things that come with it um and i think when when i first heard that i i heard it as a tragic thing i heard it as sort of like a tragedy like oh it is such a sad thing that 20 children cannot play together for 20 years um because things will change some will move and or die or just drift or whatever all sorts of and obviously there'll be conflict as well um but I think as as time has passed for me too, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I've come to think of it as not tragedy, but just reality. It's like this is the nature of, of, of being human and of being in the reality that we are, you know, with this, you know, in space-time and all of this is, this is what happens in relationships, is that they come and they go. Um, and and I kind of I kind of have come to start to think of relationships as things that you. I think that there are some relationships yeah. you hold on to. I also don't think that that is most relationships. I think that with most relationships, you recognize that they come, yeah, and they go. And when I say come and go, I don't think that means the people go. But sometimes it's the same person is there, but I you mean, have a different I, kind I of understand. relationship. With and them. I think for me, it's just if I knew that I was gonna be you know, how I was gonna, I just I felt like I I would have done better. You cannot know, you cannot know. But you can't. And know, then sometimes can I you? see things, or because this person and I connected on a very intellectual level, and I want to just reach out and be like, you know, share this joke, or you know something i saw something i read and they always always got it you know we always we just got each other so much and i thought about just even like being a mom she was one of the first person i wanted to reach out to like guess what guess what you know but i guess and i don't want to spend so much time talking about this and my personality type is also one that tends to just internalize that to me oh you're too much oh you you know but I guess you're right. It could have just been many things. Well, I'm saying maybe it's not either of you. Maybe it's just time. Maybe it's just perhaps that time. You know, it's like it's like spring season. When spring ends, spring ends, and nothing you did could have. It. Yes, I know. I or know. Could have prolonged. Like, do you know what I mean? I know. I know. But I just like closure. I I think this is just. I think me just even talking about it right now. It's. Mm. I'm ready to move on, and 
and it's the last part of me just you know um airing what that rejection felt like even though i, I don't think it was yeah. necessarily a rejection but kind of to honor our friendship it was, felt like rejection and i think yeah that's it what did, that's it what did. i mean it but meant, it's also i think it, there's value recognizing that yes it feels like rejection doesn't mean it was rejection yes. i thought holding those two ideas together yes once. yes and and i think i also it, it kind of delved into something and i and i don't want to hold them responsible for it again i thought it, it, it became more of like that self-worth you know like oh yeah if that friend that was very intimate with you could cut you off then you're nobody and I remember having a talk with my therapist and she was like, why would you say that about yourself? And we went through just where the, you know, how that started. And I mean, I just thank God for therapists, man, because so there was some projection imagine just there, having that basically. thought, you know, there was, there was. And my therapist on that I'm so free to express a lot of the things I'm not able to even talk about with her. And she has this gift of just teasing them out and, laying them against some things I've already talked about myself and things she knows about me. Like, that's not true. Because remember when you said this about this other person, when you did that, that's not how you you are. Remember, remember, remember. It's like a, like your own psych person that you're paying, you know, <laughs> you're paying for. But again, I think um, it goes back to that thing you, you said Ellen, in one of our episodes about relationships and how therapy, your therapy, therapy is like, you know, being in a relationship, a healthier form of a relationship. And that also helps you model with the kind of thoughts you should be having. And when some bad thoughts spring up, how you, the standards you want to set against them. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, speaking of, yeah, speaking of closure, I think there's something you said as well, which is that, yeah, on one hand, you want closure, but on the other hand, um you are finding closure by talking about it and and i think sometimes um i think there's a way we can think of closure that's not very helpful where closure is this thing that someone has to give us and i think that is there's a danger in that do you know what i mean instead of thinking of closure as something Mm. you do it's kind of like forgiveness yeah because because there's there's a sense in which that sort of is like you're giving up your own agency. You know what I mean? If the person doesn't tell me, then I will never get closure. You know, and rather than you know what, I'm just going to close this chapter. And I'm 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 you know, and it, it's not easy either way. But the truth is, even if the person were to say, that's still not easy either, and it's never as easy as we think. Because that then can lead to its own. Oh, so that's why. So you mean I wasn't good enough? <laughs> you know what I mean? I know this. So it's yeah. I, th- I think there's just something to to be said for keeping in mind that there's a way we can think about closure that I think can actually rob us of our rob us of our own agency and we're unwittingly pretty much saying I cannot move forward with my life until you do x you're basically like do you know what i mean i was like well what if they choose not to do x what then you, you know what thanks for saying that i and you're right thanks for saying that and if you permit me is it okay to just say something like almost like i'm talking directly to the person i don't know if they're gonna yeah, listen yeah, to this go for it hey um if you listen to this episode you know i'm talking about you and i want to say Thank you so much for 
uh, being a very good friend and a sister. Um, I went to the place where we met not too long ago, and it was kind of hard not to um, really experience that city without you being there. And visiting some places reminded me of you. And I miss you, and I, for whatever reason, we're not as close as we were before. It's okay. I'll be fine. Um, but sometimes I just want to reach out to you and just talk to you about being a mom and all of the weird, fun experiences that have come with that. Because I know you have your own daughter, too. Um, I think about some nerdy stuff I come across. I'm a love for Korean dramas and technology and apps, uh, mutual hatred for Apple products and all that. And I really don't have anybody <laughs> to talk to about that because I am in there here, but he loves um, Apple, so that kind of precludes him. But anyways, just to say, I miss you and I, I wish you the very best. Your message that you sent to me recently on Mother's Day kind of um, brought up some anxious feelings about our relationship because you talked about us like we're still talking and I didn't think that was, I, I didn't take it in a very good way, even though you probably weren't thinking of it like that. It wasn't anything you did wrong. It was just that, why are you just texting me without even professing our silence over this? Yes. But again, I hope you're happy. And, uh, and thank you so much. Yeah. I felt good doing that. I didn't even think I was going to talk about this today. You know? What do you do to me, Amy? You shrink people. You just make us just talk. No, yeah. Yes, you I, shrink. I you make us oh, just pull everything now? out, even in front of people. And Wow. I cannot move forward. Just kidding. Um, project on <laughs> me. Why don't you? And, and I think um, I'm just, I'm thankful that I have the opportunity to see a therapist because I don't know if I ever told you this. The very first time I knew that I needed to talk to somebody was when I was like 10. When I said talk to somebody, I needed professional help. It was when I was 10, but there was nobody I could ask. Because I was very afraid that... You've, hint, you've talked about knowing when you were 10, but I didn't realize... You, you, talk about, you talked about it in the context of knowing something was up. Yes, I yes. don't think I've heard you talk about it in the context of knowing you needed to talk to someone. I remember talking well, to my can, friends about it, and they looked happen. at me like, what's wrong with you? Like, These are my peers, my friends who love me, hmm. and maybe I, I was talking to them in church, you know, during the summer. I mean, so none maybe of us was thinking about therapy then. No, so. they weren't talking about therapy. By us, I don't mean I was one of your friends, in case I know, anyone I know, thinks but that's like, what I'm saying. <laughs> no, not you. But you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people listening. <laughs> yes, I mean, and I were your friends then. Maybe I should have met you earlier on. Because I'm sure you came out just knowing about therapy. Um, I probably would have talked to you. Yeah, that's true. I've been the weird kid. Like, who's that weird kid just hanging around, not talking and just staying at everybody and reading his books? Um, but I knew something was off when I was 10. And I think what really saved me was books and mm. reading about stuff because there were no resources. And growing up in an ultra-religious environment, which had its perks, by the way, because... The church saved me in many ways. It kind of provided, and we're going to talk, we can talk, talk more about that maybe on another episode of how in developing countries like ours, religious institutions actually do a lot in keeping the sanity that we give them credit for. And in richer countries as well, to be honest. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think moving to the US was, I won't call it more like, a, almost like 
now you have the resources the problems have doubled i began therapy in the u.s mm-hmm. and i began it almost reluctantly I, you um, didn't say when you, you started when I went to but therapy. remember um, that you, time you, i called you i know yeah, i didn't, you talked I didn't about it later on. tell you i read your post yeah you knew when yeah so i immediately had put a post up um about you know i think it was suicide and whatnot and the signs that maybe you're suicidal and i kind of took that test like uh, i thought it was one on was depression. It depression or whatever yeah it, it was depression i i i what my memory I, I may be wrong because I'm, I'm not i'm not sure i trust this but as i recall it it was that you said i'd written something about depression and you realized I think it was i think from reading you know it. i think it was depression for you mm-hmm. because after i took that mm-hmm. test i realized that okay this is really depression because i didn't know what's going on with me I had crying spells. I couldn't, I wasn't going to church. I wasn't doing anything. I kind of moved to the guest room there in my apartment. I wasn't even, I told my husband, don't, I want to talk to anybody. Just, you know, let me be. And your, what your, what your post encouraged did for me was to call the nurse helpline. And she asked me a couple of questions. And then that was when she now said, okay, no, you're really bad. This is almost like borderline suicidal. The only difference was I didn't have like an active plan of how I was going to off myself. But it was bad enough that she was like, I'm going to stay on the line until you come to the health center. And I'm going to keep calling you until I know that you've checked in. And I think it probably saved my life in many ways. Because up until then, I had carried myself with all of my resources, you know, find ways to kind of make myself happy and always think positive thoughts. But things came to a head when I realized that I couldn't just do it on my own anymore. And um, it began with individual therapy. And even going to the therapist's office, there was something she said that I always keep going back to. She mm. was like, where are you from? I'm like, Nigeria. She was like, wow, I commend you for coming here. I mean, this was a white lady, right? For her to have said that, almost like she had a cultural awareness of just how we don't even really talk to people about our mental health issues. And and that's one thing I always want to do in my life right now is to normalize seeking help, especially mental health. So I've been very open about my struggles with anxiety and even depression and um and just saying it's okay not to be okay and um and i think just carrying this along in a vulnerable moment to be that's only myself i've been talking to Amelia for years about and that was the decision to be on medications for anxiety and depression and i'd always been of this school of i've, I've I'd always belonged to the school of thought that it was going to alter your brain chemistry I mean, never mind that you're from and while there could be <laughs> i know but hey hey this is not just the studies that have shown that, but here's it's it's so bad how how <laughs> doctors and like like pharmacists and nurses and all of these professions are wearing how we're just so bad at taking our own advice. But you know what? Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Oh, no, but I know what it, you mean. It's different when you're the one prescribing the medications and dispensing it. But when it comes to you, you're almost like it's a sense of otherness. And so, um, disclosure, I. I began using meds, you know, uh, last month. Um, I had a personal crisis that I was talking for like five months. And um, I don't know if I remember, you probably remember when I said I wasn't yeah. trying to kill myself, but I wouldn't mind if a truck just hit me right now. Like I was pray- praying for just that sweet, you know, release of death. And, and and that's when I knew things were really bad. And I prayed a lot. I did all of my meditations and whatnot. I still was in a bad place. And when I went to see my doctor, she was like, why not just try this out? And I remember talking to you about, oh, it's going to alter my head. And you gave me that 
analogy of the frog, which I think you should totally share here once I'm done with my, my talk. What's the analogy of the Can't frog? Can't you remember about the frog and the well? Sorry, what? The frog and the well. Like help? the frog and the well, help. like, you know, jumping out of the well, like by yourself and then think of that. This of is the medication as because a... I know the analogy you're talking about and I'm pretty sure you supplied the frog yourself. Was it a frog in there? No. It's fine. Obviously, that's that's the way. <laughs> I find I'm it so poor fascinating. <laughs> I, I was so sure there was a frog no, no, in no, there. No, 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 Actually, so this is the thing this is the thing I find interesting you're not a poor visualizer you're I'm an over visualizer you've actually you've exactly you've you've enlarged <laughs> and then <laughs> I so hate you <laughs> so I'm not gonna lie when you said frog and well I was like I haven't I think this might be what she's referring to but I'm pretty sure there was no frog <laughs> so maybe she means something else which is why I wanted. So I wasn't actually like trying so to. So maybe maybe just maybe really, just talk about it then. But I just realized, yeah, I know what you're talking about, but there's no frog. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe there should be a frog because <laughs> clearly, clearly yeah. a frog is missing here. <laughs> um. Well. Okay. So. It's sort of this idea that, um, well, first of all, that we often think of, and 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 I so I developed this idea from back back in Nigeria, um, and I've actually found it useful here in the UK as well, which is my practice. Um, so obviously, it's one of those things that it's it's human, it's a human thing, and it's the idea of medication as a crutch, huh? right? Where um, people will often view and it's and it's especially when it comes to mental health medication which is interesting thing right as oh i don't want to depend on it i don't want to um be addicted to it yeah i don't want well they will sometimes say addicted to it but i I mean depend not even in the sense of addiction which is how we normally use dependence actually (laughs) but in the sense of i don't want to have to need this and and i'll never forget a particular way someone i know once put it because i thought that was most succinct why should I have to take medications just to be happy? Mm, was the question mm. that this person asked. And it's a question that I found haunting because I could, you know, you could, you, you can feel the pain and the poignant, you know, longing in that question of why can't I just be happy the way everyone else is happy? Why should I need, you know, this crutch in air quotes just to to have something that should be normal, a normal human emotion. Oh. Um, and I think I sort of came up with this analogy in trying to answer that question to that person. And I've sort of tried to use it since with many people. And it's that actually, it's a, it's the wrong metaphor, right? And 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 this is you know by just just by the way, like one of the things I find is that a lot of times a big part of the problem in how we think about things is that we're using the wrong metaphors. Where you, and and. But the metaphors we use carry implications, and without realizing, we're carrying all the implications of that metaphor. So, if you think of medication as a crutch, then automatically that means you have a weakness, and automatically that means you're like disabled. And and while there's nothing wrong with being disabled, unfortunately, the way we think of being disabled in society is very mm-hmm. negative. In in you know, as pretty much any disabled person can yeah. tell you. Um, and so, because we know it's negative, we don't want to be that. 
you don't want to be in that position because we know how we already think of people who are in that position that aren't us, that sort of thing. Um, but on the other hand, how about thinking of it as a tool or as a weapon, right? And I would, oft, you know, I would suggest something along the lines of, you know, if if you were, if when the forests in the middle of the night and it was dark and you could hear animals in the distance and you happened to be able to lay your hands never mind how on a weapon you are not going to say i i can't imagine that you would say oh why should i have to need a weapon to get <laughs> do you know yeah. what i mean to get out of this forest or to keep myself safe why can't i just do it with my bare hands right now it's not the most perfect analogy because you could argue that well what you're trying to achieve is is a is something everybody else can yeah. achieve whereas the forest thing you know not everybody else can do that and i i hear that but the, the, that's that's kind of beside the point the real point is there's a difference between thinking of it as why should i need this right which i think is disempowering <sighs> And I think that's what then happens versus thinking of it as I, this tool will help me to live the life I want yeah. to live. And if it will, because the truth is at the end of the day, we all use all kinds of tools, mm-hmm. right? Nobody says, oh, I, why should I have to drive to work? I want to walk. Why should I have to take a car just to get to, I want to walk like my ancestors. Nobody says that. Mm. Well, I mean, you can't choose to walk, obviously, because it's good for your health and all sorts of things. But my point is, there's millions of people who are driving and they're not thinking that and they're not complaining about the fact that they take mm. a car. And, you know, plus, if depending on how far you live, it's probably a good idea to drive or bike or whatever. <laughs> um, do yeah. you know what I mean? And so the analogy that I use, um, which you're talking about, is one of someone is in a pit and it's a low, you know, it's a, it's a two f- one foot, two foot hole. You're just going to jump out. That's, that's not a big deal. If it's a three foot hole, yeah, you might need to climb out a little bit, but you know, you're fine. You're gonna jump out um at some point. If it's a ten foot hole, now you're in a bit of a pickle, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> you can't just jump. If it's a twenty foot hole and there's no footholds um in 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 in, in the on the, in the wall surfaces or whatever, now you're really like in trouble, mm-hmm. right? You're really screwed and you're going to need a lot more help. Now, that help might come in the form of a, say, a rope ladder that is thrown down for you to come up. But the interesting thing is you're still going to need to apply some effort to the rope ladder, yep. right? The rope ladder, even if it's just to hold the ladder while you're being pulled back up, right? Like, don't even climb. Just hold it and we'll pull you back up. You're still going to have to do something. Mm-hmm. And... And so the way I I think the way I talked about the medication is that instead of seeing the medication as why should I need medication is that maybe that's because you're thinking you're in a two foot hole or in a three foot hole and you're saying why should I need a rope ladder to get out because that's what the medication is the rope ladder. But also in the twenty foot hole where the rope ladder is there to bring you out, it doesn't negate your efforts. Mm. It just makes them meaningful mm. because actually if you're in a twenty foot hole and you're jumping and trying to get out of the hole by jumping, you're going to fatigue yourself, wear yourself out. And you might fatigue yourself to the point that when they do get a rope ladder thrown, <laughs> your legs are broken or, or You might mangled. not be able to yeah, use it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so you may actually want to save that energy. 
<laughs> so that you can use it to climb up the rope yeah. ladder. Um, and, and so medication is kind of like the rope ladder. Um, and you still have to apply your efforts, but your efforts are now meaningful. Your efforts actually now get you out of there rather than frustrate you and achieve little while actually wearing you out and making you even more frustrated. Um, which is where I think you find a lot of people when they finally get to taking medication, they feel like nothing else has worked. And you know, the question I sometimes ask is, well, let's try this one more thing. Yeah. Because they haven't tried this I think this for yet. me, I had to get to that point because nothing was working and it was a funk that was kind of it was a long funk that nothing else was working and i think when i filled the prescription i put it i left it in my car for the longest time and then i didn't want to touch it it felt like poison like no because i thought that from the very first once I swallowed it, that was gonna be like you know that matrix, so like you know, back. red or blue pill. You know how they say if you've ever, if you exactly if you've watched any um, drug addiction YouTube series, they say the first hit is the you know is a, is the highest, and from there is like you go downward. And it was on a Sunday. I remember sitting by my, it was after church, um, online church. I remember sitting by my dining table and. When you talk about just being a very heaviness of heart, and at that particular moment, I'm like, what exactly is going on? Like, this is just after church, you know, I've prayed and all of that kind of stuff. I just went straight to my car and I popped the pill. And of course, it wasn't like instantaneous because if you know anything about anti-anxiety um, and antidepressant, it takes about six to eight weeks. But two things made me really take it was, let's even change my brain. If I'm holding on to that line of thought, like, what, what has, has my current what brain, done how has my current brain chemistry helped me? Because I'm, I'm exactly what have you done for me lately? I've probably been depleted. My serotonin levels, you know, have probably been depleted in such a way that mm. it's really causing me to be in this funk and combined with things that I'm going through personally right now. And then second was mm. the drug wasn't going to be the only thing I was depending on. I'm, 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 I'm going to keep doing the things I've been doing. You know, I'm finding ways to bring joy to my life. Um, moving my body, seeing a therapist. So nothing really is changing. I'm just trying this one thing and I can always choose to stop it whenever I wanted to do it. And I began it and it took about, I want to say three weeks. And again, another thing I would like to say is as a pharmacist, I was able to research the particular one I wanted and I talked to my healthcare provider about it. And she, you know, um, took my preference into consideration. One, I wanted one that wasn't going to make me sleepy. I wanted one that was actually going to improve my sleep because I have issues with sleep. I wanted one that wasn't going to make me put on weight because some of them have that tendency to and i wanted one that had a very good you know at least a better side effect profile and drugs will have side effects but you have to choose your poison no, no pun intended and it took about two to three weeks but i mean i and i, th- I don't think i've ever told you I, I i've talked about this part yet with you my my thoughts are clear now do i have tendencies to still think that there's doom coming it's always there but it's not there's no receptor that is connecting with to kind of articulate because there's always this feeling i felt at the bottom of my stomach almost like doom is coming doom is coming and i've had so many great things happen to me i mean i became a mom like officially last month and i'm able to celebrate that but even while celebrating that, as happy as I was, I was also dispensed. So there was, was also there was also dispensed other areas of my life, and those two things weren't just going quite well. Um, I'm able to concentrate better at doing other things. Um, 
the boogeyman is there, but it's not just scaring me anymore. And I don't know when I lost my res. I don't want to. I don't know what the word was, but things that I've kind of lost my elasticity in certain areas of my life. The older I get, like I'm beginning to see more realities, and and I don't know what that is. Why that is? Maybe it's just being a mom or just other life experiences. But I'm glad I took the medications and. And I'm not advocating medications for everybody. You would know when you're in need of it. But I just want to encourage someone like me. Perhaps you've been, you've done everything, and it feels like you, you failed in not keeping yourself, you know, happy and that joyful self that you've always been. I'm not advocating for you to go, you know, take medications. But perhaps you've thought about it, and your, your fear has always been it to alter my brain chemistry. Well, um, your brain chemistry is actually altered already. Hence, why you're in this funk. But you might want to consider um, this option, but please, you know, speak to your healthcare provider and make that decision yourself. Um, I'm, I'm a pharmacist, so I know a lot about antidepressants, so that really works for me. But um, me sharing my story is just to maybe encourage somebody. And I, I could never have thought that in, in, in a thousand years I'll, I'll come to this point where I can, one, use medications for depression and anxiety and then publicly talk about it. Because I thought I was the last of the Mohicans to ever do that. But here we are, and I'm glad I, I took that plunge. I mean, well, I, I would actually probably advocate for medication, to be honest. Um, People here, you do psychiatrist and population like five and six like this. But I, and I, 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 I realize that that feeds into a stereotype. I do see that. But I think what I say to people when people say things like, um, you don't need medication for mental health problems. The question I always want to ask is, what kind of mental health problems are you talking about? Because I think a lot of people are focused on one end of the spectrum. So actually, the, a lot of the guidelines um, indicate that or suggest that for mild moderate depression, for instance, medication should not be like first line. It should actually be therapy, right? And other kinds of support. Um, but when it's severe, you definitely want medication, and I think the challenge is, well, so there's two sides to it. One is that I, th- I find that when it's severe enough that people need medication, you find that a lot of times they're still resisting it. Um, and then you also find sometimes this tricky scenario where um, I mean, I, I suppose I acknowledge, I acknowledge that this this is not easy, and I and, and I agree with you on one on the bit where you say obviously this has to be a discussion with your doctor. So I'm, not, I'm definitely not advocating for anyone to take medication, yeah, um, by themselves. But I'm talking more about like when it is offered, when it is suggested, being a bit more open to it rather than just instant pushback and this whole idea of. I, I think there's an anti-medication sentiment that is quite prevalent which I worry about because I see the flip side of it, which is the people who then don't take medication because of that. Yeah. And yeah. actually get worse. Yeah. Um, even though they're happy to do all sorts of other things that may not be helpful and may even be harmful. Yeah. Um, so for me, I, I think I will say that a lot of the psychiatrists I know don't, they're not medication happy. Oh. which I think is another misconception people sometimes have. Um, <laughs> obviously, I'm also in the UK, so I can't really speak to other places, um, including the US, if I'm being honest. But I have friends who practice in the US, and 
to my knowledge, they're not medication happy either. Right? But I can't say that as confidently because I only know a few people and they're probably not representative. I will say this though. One of the key things that's really helpful is still therapy, whether in anxiety or depression, which are some of the more common ones. But therapy is hard. And one of the things I find is that sometimes people people shrink back from therapy because it's hard yeah so sometimes actually and i know this for a fact that sometimes we have to prescribe people medication because they're not ready to do therapy yeah so there are times when we prescribe medication when we think therapy is probably a good idea yeah but people aren't ready for therapy and you can't just leave them like that i think there is that but but that's partly because sorry i I said it's a tragedy both ways like you know Underutilization yeah. of therapy and overutilization of medications. I mean, to be fair, therapy is also not easy to access. It's yeah. overloaded in many, in places like the UK. The waiting, the waiting times are which is crazy. Even here, even there's no waiting time, but the cost of therapy is quite expensive. So that's what I'm saying. But it's time or money, isn't it? It's you're saving one or if you're saving time, you're losing money. If you're saving money, you're losing time. Yeah, yeah. Right. So even here too, if the therapy, I, the, I mean, I, the therapist I see is paid. Because, you know, I wanted to avoid the waiting list, but it's not cheap, <laughs> right? Um, so one way or the other, you pay something. Whether it's money or time, you pay something. Yeah. Um, and and, and I, I think that's a challenge for many people because there are people who can't afford that. And so they have to pay in money. But I mean, time, sorry. But maybe they don't really have the time either. But then what, what happens for those people? And there's no easy answers to that because... Again, part of why... So, I won't say therapy is underutilized because if the waiting times are that long, clearly... No, when I mean underutilization, I mean not, not from, the pers- from the people. I mean, like, when it's not used, when it's supposed to be used. Yeah. And uh, medications are, like, the proxies for that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean... And, and I think my fear is that people will begin to internalize those things not working as, oh, it's a defect of who I am, Right. Like, if you've tried all of the things you're doing um, and you're still not working and you're still in that funk, you start thinking, oh, there's something fundamentally wrong with me. And if your brain is already, if your brain chemistry is already compromised as you're finding cases of depression and anxiety, because, I mean, as you guys know, I can do things. Like, I'm not, I'm not like, you know, like, I, I get things done, but sometimes I'm just up at night. I can't sleep because there's so many thoughts going through my head. And there was just that moment where mm-hmm. many things were just happening at once and I was overwhelmed. I was like that person stuck in that, you know, hole and going to therapy. I've been in therapy for about eight years, you know, nonstop. Not like nonstop. I mean, I would take breaks here and there. I've had to move, you know, therapy. But I've always had a therapist, you know, on call that I could call for crisis modes and all that. So trust me when I say I have used everything and I, I'm still in therapy. I haven't stopped doing the other things I'm doing. And for me, um, the medication is not like going to take... I'm not depending on the medication to take everything away. No, because you're still going to have to do things. Sometimes the medication gets in a place where you're even ready for therapy. I can't describe just the clarity I feel. You know, the thoughts haven't stopped. You know, the, the anxious thoughts haven't stopped. But it's like okay so what almost like mm, okay so and i'm even sometimes i'm having this it's not disabling it's not like crippling me it also helps me even have that self-talk about 
okay, what are you even scared about? Like, okay, let's talk about this. Before, I couldn't have that dialogue because it was too real and it was just ridiculous to be able to have that dialogue. But I cannot say, that's not, that's not tenable. You're just overthinking things. And I don't know how long I'm going to be um, using the medications for, but I know I have the power now and I can definitely see it. it's changed my life, you know, significantly. Um, my husband will probably tell you I'm a better person to have around now than, you know, the past how many months I've just been in this place. And, um, yeah, so I hope this encourages somebody. I, I didn't think I was going to talk about this today this way, <laughs> but, um, yeah, let's connect. <laughs> let's connect. This was, uh, I don't know. Why do I feel like I kind of spent this episode talking a lot about myself and maybe you needed to talk about it's still recording by the way. Is that the plan? Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe I'll you needed it. to. I'll live it. Yeah, maybe you needed to. But we wanted to talk about mental health. We theme did, and well, I, it was mental I'm health. I'm not sure if, but I kind of, I feel, I don't feel very fulfilling. Not because I just feel like it's just been too much about me, and maybe there's not much of substance for people to like, you know, learn from like they would normally on a regular. Would because I, I don't know. I'm still not feeling very fulfilled. Like we've done justice to this episode. Like first I was rambling about my friend and then now I'm talking about my you know medication use. Why do I sound like a drug? We we did. Mm. We, we started off talking about relationships and we, we we actually did. It is, it is, it is. We talked about relationships, we talked about and your friend is about yes. relationships and you know. And this was about we talked about therapy in the end. And I think this is useful. I think I think there's something about all of because these are real issues. And real questions that people have, and there's something about sharing them. I think, I think that's. Listen to it. I think you'll see it better. Like I think you'll see it better if you, when you listen to it. When I listen to, it. I, I guess you're right. If there's something you want us to talk about to add to it, we can. But I can't no, think of no, what no. that might be. I can't think of anything here. But I think another thing that encouraged me is when I brought my sister on the show to talk about our experience with schizophrenia, the one that you know I reached out to you about, if you remember. And one of the things we did on the show was to save up, get, like get some donations for her to be able to be on her medications for mm. a couple of years. And I know for a fact just how, when she's on her meds, how freeing and how yeah. much better she is on meds. And I'm like, come on, like... Why are you fighting you, this? Exactly, like, you is know... That, like, is that what, that's why I, I'm advocating for it. That's, that's what I yeah. see. Yeah. That makes me advocate for it because I know yeah. what I see. And people don't see that. Oh, and people let me, are looking let me at all the mild stuff and thinking, you I think, you think I, I'm not dealing with mild depression. Mm, yeah. I don't see mild depression. Mild depression goes to the GP. <laughs> I see severe, you know, and I know the difference. I yeah. see, look, I have patients yeah. that I was, I was, I'm always yeah. saying, and I love to show this with the students. I see patients who are abusive and terrible and horrible, racist, sexist, everything. And then they are, they are well, and they're like the sweetest people. Um, and it's like, who was that monster that we seen three, four weeks ago? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. people don't see that. People don't see that. They don't see that. And and then they go around talking all these things about, oh, education is not important. I'm like, yeah, you no, should have faith. Some yeah, professionals. Yeah. No, no, no. That's the one that really upsets me. Even some professionals. Yeah, yeah. It's worse, yeah. I'm not even forget the yeah, half faith yeah, people. Yeah, like I yeah. get where those are coming from. <laughs> and I mean here. Well, wait. I don't just mean in in, oh, in I know, back I know. home. I mean right here in the UK, in the US. Right here, yeah. There was this analogy that the Holy Spirit dropped in my heart one time when I was cooking, and I had made this. I don't know what I can't remember what I was cooking, cooking, but it was a very 
good dish, but it was missing something. Is that when you talk to your Holy yeah, Spirit? Yeah, I was cooking, and it just, they cooking, it comes, they come, by now, food. They come anytime, you know. <laughs> My love language, amen. Somebody, anyways, um, it was a good, it was a beautiful dish, and it was gonna, it was gonna turn out perfectly, but something was quite missing. I forgot to put salt in it, and. I was almost done with the cooking and it was kind of cooking you that put the salt I need to have, you know, put the salt in at the very particular It won't go in. I could put it, but yeah. you know, it was still gonna be better than not putting that on. Yeah, yeah. But then you know, he helped me they helped me connect because I always think of the Holy Spirit as they pronounce. They helped me connect to the fact that um it's kinda like me taking medications for you know what I was going through. No matter how much you're trying, I mean this beautiful dish, you can serve it and all that. If you don't add that ingredient, it's not just gonna come out well. And you can you can do you can you know I could have you know plated it nicely, um, served it with a side of you know cold drink and whatnot. You have to put salt in it. You know it's not about your lack of trying. It needs salt. It and calls salt for salt. Missing. You call well, it calls sorry. for medication because that's it. That's it. And and for me, it was almost like... No, if the salt is there, the plating, you can even downplay yeah. the little. And the researcher in me, before taking that medication, I took a snapshot of my of my, of my my dreadful moments. Because, I have I mean, my journal has been... It's filled with, you know, just moments like that where I've, I've talked about things I was going through. So, and I could never forget those moments. So I'm like, let's just do an intervention, pre-post, and then, you know, the medication will be the intervention. And then see how you're doing afterwards. And, oh my gosh, like day and night you know on night and day yeah difference and the difference so, yeah, yeah. And- one of the things i love the most is when we have the reviews with patients when the patient walks out mm. and everybody's emotional and you know why they're emotional why because uh, remember how remember? they were a few weeks ago oh you guys remember yeah mm, we mm. like they're walking away and we are discharging them and we are emotional because we're thinking wow look at him look at her look how look at the turnaround look at it it's transformation no mm. it's transformation we are doing but you know what we are using to do that transformation mm. it's medicine <laughs> it's not talking this is the only time we can say do drugs. The medicine, and you the should talking, follow her the talking is useful. The, the talking is useful, but almost, if the medicine was not there, ain't no talking. Yeah. The talking is like plating. Put salt in it. Put the salt in it. I think. Plating cannot say this. Let's connect, but we're going to end it by saying say yes to drugs. You know, that's just. <laughs> this is the only time we can say say yes to drugs and we, you know that it's a good thing. But um, I think this was really it on my end. Um, we've talked a lot today, and um, thank you, thank you for getting me here, and thank you for, because you know, you and I have always had this conversation about pharmacotherapy for about how many years has it been now? It's been like at least six, seven years, right? And then when I was at yeah. the brink of considering it, you were the same person to come, you know, to again. And thanks for being so encouraging about it. And we hope this episode encouraged you guys as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks, um, guys. Catch you guys on another episode of the Marcible Podcast. And if you love this episode, don't forget to share and let us know what you took from it. And, and yeah. Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye. All right.